try something different, however. Uh, it's not just me who's going to preach. Others will help out as well. But I'm going to try something different. Uh, and, and, and you're more than welcome to have at me over the 10 weeks for this. I'm going to not put slides up for the messages. <gasps> so sorry. Um, it, it's it's, it's going to be just for, the, just for this series. They'll be back. And look, even throughout the series, I'll have it. And look, if you start a petition with, there's enough names on there um, in, in, in your revolution, please, I will, I'll buckle. I'll cave. I'll, let, I'll, 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 um, I'll put them back up. But here's why I want you to do it. Sorry, here's what I, why I don't want to do it. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to bring it. I'd love you to bring it. I'd love for us to sit and for you to sit with it on your lap and look through and take you through and show you through. It's a, it's a really cool thing to, to directly really work with it um, in your hands. Uh, if you're, a, if you're a, a screen reader, if you have a phone, a Bible app, by all means do so. Just don't get distracted by Facebook or whatever <laughs> while we go along. Um, work your way through it that way if, if you wish. For today, I just want to take the time and, and not make this awkward. I've put in the middle here some printouts of the chapter and some Bible. So, so can, I, can I just ask, um, right now, if, if you don't have it on you for today, because it's unfair, I'm springing this on you, do you want to just give me hands up? Who, who needs a Bible or a sheet or something? Please, yeah, move around and, and, and do help yourself. I don't want you to miss out. Uh, we'll take a couple, yeah. Here you go, Stan. Anybody else? Pat, yeah. I, I, I hope... Yep, um, yep, yep, I'll chuck some Bibles your way, if that's all right. The sheet is just a printout of Revelation 1, so nothing too serious. Do we need more? Yeah, please do. Okay, great reminder. Can you also bring your glasses from uh, today on for the next few weeks uh, so we can actually see what's going on in our Bibles? Um, Okay, cool. Um, the, Karen told us, so if you're new, if this is the first time you're holding a Bible, I mean, that's great. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I'm hoping there is someone whom this is a brand new experience. Very last book in the Bible, sort of towards the very back end, you'll see that there's a, there's a book named Revelation. Um, yeah, almost just only this much of your Bible, really. And, and it's sort of got chapters in it. And we'll be in the very first chapter, so there'll be a number one, and that's, that's where we're at. And if you're holding a sheet of paper, that's the bit of the book that you're holding. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Let me... Thanks. Let's pray for us real quickly, just, just a one-minute prayer, and then we get in. Father, what we're holding and what we're seeing and what we're getting into is, is extremely precious. It's extremely powerful. And our need to experience its message is deep. Will you help us? Make this alive in us. I pray for uh, a friend who's here, first time, or for whom this is very weird or strange, enable us and help us. 
Pray for our young people. Give us the attention we need, concentration we need. And Lord, the encounter we need with you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to jump in in the chapter at verse 12. Um, we read there that the man who receives, who writes this, his name's John, says this. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Seven golden lampstands. What are they? That's, that's probably that's, that's a good spot for us to start. Can I suggest to you that the seven golden lampstands, which represent actual lamps to us, it's kind of what I tried to illustrate here, represents to us light in a very dark place. And the light is found in the form of a group of churches, right? And they're in a dark place because they live in a time of history where there is a Roman emperor. This is 2,000 years ago, right, in the, in the Roman Empire. His name is Domitian. He was one of three Roman emperors who insisted that he should be worshipped as God, as Lord, was the title he claimed, while he was alive, Roman emperors were worshipped posthumously after they died always, but this one in particular wanted to be worshipped while he was alive. And so all throughout the whole world and, and the place where these churches found themselves, various times there would be acts and rituals and processions by which you were forced to participate in the worship of this Lord, this God, Lord Caesar. And you know, locals and local governors and officials all vied for status with Rome and so they, they kind of had their own ways of making sure that this participation in this worship was really actually happening and they had kind of two levers to pull to make it happen. One was brute force. Participate in this or we'll kill you. persecution, right? The other one was actually much more subtle. If, if you're familiar with the story, we always think that it's really persecution that really was the toughest gig for early Christians. It certainly was. But in actual fact, only two of the seven churches in Revelation, we think historically we know for a fact, faced heavy persecution. The other five had a much more subtle invitation to worship Lord Caesar. See, Lord Caesar was, in many ways, very generous, worldly. A place like Ephesus, one of the seven churches, was the fertility cult of the Roman Empire. Sex! An incredible prostitution and worship of sex and sexuality was not only expected, but you didn't really have to expect and mandate that very much. You just let people at it. Right? <laughs> Lord Caesar, participate in him in 
the prostitution and the cult. Other places had exceptional wealth, some of the churches. We'll look at that next week. Um, materialism and how to get wealthy and rich and how to make life satisfying for yourself under the gracious provision of Lord Caesar. Unethical, almost gross ways of getting rich. And, and all of that is leading to these churches going, we might compromise on our faith. We might not want to hold on to Jesus as Lord, Jesus as ruler of my life, Jesus as the one whom I love, who is my highest value, my deepest desire to follow. I want to give up. Maybe because I'm afraid of the persecution, but maybe because I'm kind of tempted. <laughs> There's just so many other good things happening around me, so many better things on offer, and everybody's doing it, and I don't want to hold on maybe to Lord Jesus, who he says he is and who I am and how I should live. And so their faith, the very light, the very thing that they possess that's emanating into the world is at risk of being diminished, of being extinguished. Seven churches. Revelation is a book of symbols, numbers, one of the great symbols. Seven comes up all the time. You know what's significant about seven? It represents to us completion. A whole. You see, it's not just these seven churches who emanate light into a dark place. It's also this one here today. It's the whole church ever since it was its inception, its start out at the resurrection of Jesus to when Jesus comes again. All of us, you, me, live in a dark place. You face, I face, daily, weekly, <laughs> this very same threat will, under whose lordship will I live? <laughs> who is lord of life? Who, who gets to say who I am and how I should live? And so the message for these seven churches is the same message for us. Uh, it is a message for pathway. It's a message for you. It's a message for me. As light bearers in a dark place. Right? And if you're, if you're not into the church yet, I mean, I can hope that this illustrates perhaps as you listen along what the church is meant to be and the light that you are invited and encouraged to step into. Right? But then comes the question, um, what does... A lamp that's under threat of being extinguished need. Right? Now, the imagery here is borrowed from the Old Testament temple. I won't go into explaining that, but there were lamps in the temple that represented the presence and the light of God. Right? 
They weren't candles, they were actual, uh, you know, these sort of, I want to say Aladdin lamps. <laughs> but maybe that's not the best, uh, the best illustration, but lamps that needed oil and wicks. And the thing that was needed for those lamps to keep burning was someone had to tend to them, someone had to refill them, someone had to look after the wicks, someone had to make sure that they could be burning and give off their light and warmth as time goes on. There was, a, it was, a, there was the role of a priest. Someone, right, tended to the lamps. And now go back into your, 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 your chapter or your Bible with me, and I'm going to read verse 12 and 13 again. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. The Son of Man is described in the Old Testament, the Old Testament in the Bible as Jesus. Jesus comes among the lamps, like the priest in the temple, and he tends to them, he fills them, he fuels them, he looks after them, he ensures that the light will keep burning brightly in the dark places. And here's one of the greatest lessons that I want you to get out of Revelation, because I want to speak to you this morning, if you yourself would look at your own life and you say, you know what, yeah, I am in a dark place. I see the darkness, I feel the darkness, I feel the cold, I am confused, I don't know what to do, I battle with myself and my own failures, my own desires, I battle with the circumstances around me, I don't really know, to, I am in darkness, what is my way out of this? If you are a child of God, this should speak to you because you know what revelation teaches you, is that your Lord and Saviour is among you, comes to you. Think about the imagery here with me. The Lord of the church is among his church, among us here today, with you, with us, in you, near you, maybe not always seen, maybe sometimes in confusing ways, but the one who wants to fill you, the one who wants to ensure that you keep burning brightly, that his church keeps burning brightly. It's the Lord Jesus coming to his church, <laughs> tending to his church. And you know, this is, this is such a powerful truth that all of Revelation gives us. Because these seven churches, they exist around 95 years after the resurrection of Jesus, right? 95 years. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, if you know your New Testament, dies around 65, 68. 30 years on, Kids have been born who haven't known 
Jesus. We've been told about him. And they're starting to ask, is he worth it? (laughs) Is God worth it? Should I keep believing? The zeal may be from what happens in Acts and all the wonderful stuff that we read about there is petering out, it's, it's, it's dying off, it's, it's cooling down. And what does Jesus do? <laughs> he again comes to his church. <laughs> he steps in, he comes right among the lampstands and, and this is what John sees. A Christ who comes to his people. Who comes to his people who struggle, who doubt, who wonders, who, who, who thinks Maybe the whole thing is not worth doing. Uh, And now we can ask the question, okay, what does Jesus give his church? What does he want to give you? What do you need from him? Well, let's go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. And I'm going to tell you three things that Jesus wants to give you. I don't know the specifics of your life, but I do know this is what Revelation suggests to us that he wants to give you. All right. I'm going to step through it. Number one, uh, verse one. Um, The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Revelation. The word literally means... To show. (laughs) God wants to show you some things, right? This whole book is a a showing. It's it's a revealing. It is a showing. When you're in the cold, dark, lonely place, what does Revelation say? Jesus wants to give his church that's want to compromise their faith. He wants to show them something. God wants to show you some stuff. God wants to show you some things about who he is, about who you are, about what he's doing in your life right now, about where he is in the midst of the darkness. He wants to show you because God is a showing God. What does he give his church when they suffer, when they struggle? He comes to them and he shows them some stuff. And that's what Revelation will do. There's a line in that verse that says, uh, what must soon take place? Okay, um, I don't want to do a lot of explanation about that, but I do. I will touch on it because this is one of the confusing parts of Revelation that make people really spiral. When is soon? What is soon going to happen? And what does soon mean? What must soon take place? Well, there's four main views of the timeline, or how do you interpret time in Revelation? I'm not going to walk through them now. They're too long and they're too boring. But I will certainly talk to you, to anyone interested afterwards, of what do we do with this. Can I summarize it for you to say that most of what you read in all of Revelation is to tell you what it's going to be like to live as a Christian now. What is it like for you to be a child of God now? What are going to be some of the dangers you're going to face? What are going to be some of the challenges you face? What are going to be some of the things that 
God is going to want to do in you? What is the world around you going to be like? Right? Now, Revelation's not interested really in giving us a map for how future historical events are going to unfold. Many people do that. They interpret Revelation as a God's map of how the world's going to end and when and trying to match events to suit that and constantly having to rechange it because it doesn't kind of, you know, events defy what they think Revelation says. Not interested in that. Interested in telling you how's your light going to keep shining now? What is the darkness going to try and do to it? How are you going to keep burning bright? Now, the time period that Revelation refers to is from the resurrection of Jesus to when he returns. That's the time frame. All of it. We know it already is 2,000 years. We don't know how many more. Right? That's what I want to talk about. Soon is now. <laughs> and then some of Revelation does want to talk about the future. It does say some things to us about future events. And we'll deal with that as the series goes on. Okay? What does Jesus give his church? Revelation. He shows him some stuff. He, he wants to show you some stuff. That's the first thing. Number two. Um, prophecy. Read with me in chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Uh, verse 3, to be honest, uh, to be more precise. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. If you're a Christian who have often looked back at the Old Testament days and go, gee, people were lucky then. God gave them prophets who spoke to them about their situation and their life. Where's ours? <laughs> well, here it is. <laughs> All of Revelation is, is a prophecy to the church, to you, to me. It's our prophecy. It's our time's prophecy. And prophecy, uh, big subject. We often think about prophecy when we hear it and we go, oh, prophecy is about predicting the future, telling us what's going to happen in the future. That's a very small part of prophecy. And Revelation, as has already been said, is going to say some things to us about the future. But the vast majority of prophecy in the Old Testament and now is not interested in predicting the future for you. In fact, it's far more interested in recalling the past and the wonderful truths of the past and bringing them to bear in the present. And Revelation is no different. It wants to tell us about what God has done in Christ. It wants to tell us about what God is doing right now in the world. It wants to reveal to us what is going on, who God is, what He's like now in your life. That's what this prophecy will do. It'll foretell a little bit for us, but it'll foretell for us a lot about the past and bringing it to bear on the present, right? This is what Jesus wants to give you. He wants to show you some stuff. He wants to give us prophecy. And thirdly, notice in verse 3, look for me there if you can. Um, sorry, verse 1. Revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon, must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Scroll all the way down for me to verse 20, the very last verse. 
the mystery of the seven stars that you saw on my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. I've only got lamps here, but I could have put stars here as well, right? Angels. It's the angel who brings this message to John. The message is for seven churches and each angel of the church. We may kind of want to be a little bit curious about that. What's going on with the angel thing here, right? Again, big topic, but here's what I think God wants to show us in Revelation, and we'll get there as we go through this series. You know what he wants to show us? He wants to show you and me in part of that revelation that there's a whole lot more going on to your life and to my life than the here and the now. God kind of, in Revelation, draws back the curtain for us a little bit so we can look in behind the scenes. And in behind that scenes, we see an enormous cosmic, spiritual battle that is being played out. A battle between God and his resurrected son, Jesus, the light, and Satan, and the world, the darkness. And you, as a church, is positioned at the center of that cosmic, dark, spiritual battle. Hence, <laughs> right from the get-go, the angels are involved. The spiritual realm is involved. And as we journey through the whole thing, we will get to see glimpses of it. It's part of what you must see. If you struggle with your faith, if you struggle to make sense of what goes on around you and in you and in the place in which you live and why it's dark and why it's so bad, well, you've got to understand this. You've got to understand that this is part of a much, much bigger thing. Your life is part of a much, much bigger thing. What goes wrong about you and your life is part of a much, much bigger thing, a much wider spiritual and cosmic grand picture. And Revelation is going to let us see some of it. And again, let us see who God is in that picture, in astonishing grandeur. Right? That's what you need right now. You need, for the darkness that you face, Jesus to come to you. And he is coming to you. You need him to show you some stuff. You need him to speak to you the true and life-giving words of prophecy. And you need to understand much more of the great struggle that you're involved in. Right? <laughs> this is how you're helped. This is how your lamp is tended to and nourished and looked after and fed so that you can burn brightly. And to move to a close, I, I, I'm going to do things a little bit differently this morning. I want to I pray for us now. And then I'm going to finish the sermon for another five minutes. I just want you to look in your passage at verse 4, or 5 and 7 rather, and then 7 to 8. I'm going to, I'm going to pray those verses for us. And why I want us to pray them is because I think you and I need to realize just exactly who it is who's speaking to us in Revelation. This one that comes among us. This one that comes to meet with you when you do your devotions. The one who wants to meet with you when you pray. 
the one who wants to meet with us on a Sunday morning, the one who wants to sit in the presence of your small group or your Bible study or your fellowship group or your family when you do your own devotions, the one who wants to come to you, there's a great question, who is he? Who exactly is he? And there's something about him that John picks up on in this opening chapter that he can't help himself but to burst out in this, this kind of a praise of who the one among the lampstands actually is. And these verses that we're going to pray and read now, I don't want to explain them. I just want us to, I want us to feel them. I want us to sense them. And so feel free to keep your eyes open if you want to read along or just close your eyes as I lead us in this prayer and then we will finish off. Please pray, reflect with me. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So, Shall it be? Amen. I, says Jesus, am the Alpha, the beginning, and the Omega, the end, says the Lord God, who was, who is, and who is to come. The Almighty. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the King. It's not Caesar. It's not the voices of our culture. It's not TikTok. It's not Vladimir Putin. It's not even our own Prime Minister. And it certainly isn't me. It's you. You are the one. You are the one before all things. You're the one who will be after all things. And you are the one who wants to come to me, to us, to show us, to speak to us, to reveal to us. You are the one who is ruler, supreme, over all things, spiritual, physical. And I pray, Father, that you would help us, Lord Jesus, that you would help us by the power of your Spirit, as we go through this series to receive what we need, fanning to flame our faith. Brighten us, nourish us, trim us where you must. Strengthen us, we pray. Come to us. And we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let me finish. I'll get you to read the last verse in verse 3. Today is an introduction, really, just of the series of Revelation. We'll get into details later. Um, I'm gonna, there's many questions unanswered, and please keep conversations alive. Here's the finish. Verse 3. Blessed. Blessed means, you know, 
whole, happy, well, good. It's a good thing. It's, it's a full thing. Blessed. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Right? <laughs> you want to be blessed over the next few weeks? Read this. Read Revelation. I encourage you to read it in your own time, uh, devotionally. Even if it doesn't make sense, just read it. Uh, our small groups, in small groups, we're going to read it and study it for those small groups who want to participate in it. Uh, that's one way to read it. On Sundays, we're going to read it, we're going to preach through it, we're going to think through it. Um, it will be a bit of hard work along the way, but I trust worth it, right? Read it. That will make you blessed. <laughs> it's a strange thing. Read this out aloud and you will be blessed, right? But also... Blessed is the one, the last part of the verse, who hear it and who take to heart what is written in it. If you're not a Christian, but you kind of suspect that you've been failed by Caesar or whatever authority you have lived under and for, may I suggest that you're here today, not by accident, but because a better authority wants to come to you, who wants to tell you that he loves you, who wants to introduce himself to you. Would, you. would you keep sort of coming and wrestling, even if you don't come with who God is, with who Jesus Christ is, and that maybe by taking him seriously, there's blessing for you too. Take him to heart. Think about him deeply. Think about him carefully. Think about who he is, what he's done, and what he will yet want to do for you, right? If you're a Christian who's struggling, and there are probably no one in this building who isn't, right? Would you take to heart over the next few weeks what this book has to say to you? <laughs> wants to bless you. Wants to help you. Wants to change your life. Wants to bring light, warmth, Deep faith as you participate in the patient endurance of what it means to remain a Christian for a lifetime in this world. It's not easy. It's not easy. And you sure as anything need revelation if you're going to cut it. Right? And thirdly and lastly, blessed will pathway to life church be if we take this to heart. Truth is that this is not spoken firstly to individuals, spoken to groups. Spoken to us as a group, as a church, if Pathway is your home. And I look forward to what God may reveal to us as a church over the next few weeks. I encourage that if you get any sense of what God might be speaking to Pathway to Life as a church, that you would write that to me. There are letters to churches in Revelation. There's also gifts of prophecy among us that you would apply some of what we read and hear and share it with us, that God may build us up in what he wants to do with our church in corrections he might want to make in our church, in encouragements he might want to give to our church. That pathway to life will reach the end of having read aloud the words of this prophecy and having taken it to heart as a lamp that has been turned up. That's a little bit more, a little bit brighter, a little bit stronger. And the darkness around it is retreating just a little bit further because of this blessed prophecy that God has given us. May he show us, may he speak to us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.